Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. We enter the 2020s, this next decade. What's it, what's it really going to be about? And I think you know a lot of people are talking about the future of work. Um, and I think the role of HR is if you want to get from here to there in the future of work, um, that is a road that has to run right through the middle of the human resources function as we know it. Unfortunately, for a lot of uh, HR uh, processes, functions, and practitioners, it's an extremely ossified, sclerotic, back office function, sort of unchanging. And at its worst, you know, sort of, you know, welcome to the future of work, forget it. A lot of times for too many people, it's, you know, it's welcome to the portal, your password was denied. It's the most dehumanizing <laughs> function there is. Robert is a vice president at the Center for the Future of Work in Cognizant. Previously, he was a managing vice president of research at Gartner as lead analyst on HR services. Robert has also held roles at Hewlett Packard, G2 Research, and the British House of Commons. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Really excited to be chatting with my friend Rob. How are you, Rob? I'm doing great, Enrique. How about yourself? Good to see you. Likewise, thank you. You've been you you've been one of the you were one of the first speakers for any event that we've ever done in Hacking HR. I think we we may have connected at some point in 2018. So the world has changed I so much. Huh? Right. Yeah, down in, down in San Jose, 2018 yeah. feels like it was 10 years ago. <laughs> I know, I know, and and it's it's just. Uh, you know, time is so really relative these days, right? I mean, unbelievably, we are recording this podcast in the middle of October and the pandemic seemed to have started, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, but it was like seven months ago or, you know, almost seven months ago now. That, that's right. That's right. That's right. I did your guys' event. I, I I can't remember. I think it was February of 2020. And, I, you know, I, again, that feels like it was just yesterday. So it is we, It is weird. Like, uh, you know, the, 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 the pandemic is... Uh, it's it's sort of we talk we're going to talk about the future of work a little bit here, but the pandemic is sort of it's compressing time like an accordion. So I know. <laughs> we might have thought was you know the future of work is kind of, in some respects the, the the now of work. Um, yeah, yeah, so. and time and time isn't time anymore. It's you know it's uh, it's not what we thought about it before. It's it's you know. Um, I think for for a lot of people, April was you know lasted like three months, and then May really disappear like in a day. So I think time right. definitely uh, has a different flavor these days. So Rob, very, very excited to talk to you about many things regarding the future of HR, the upskilling, the reskilling of HR to fulfill the jobs of the future. 
But I want to begin by asking you, you've done a, you've had a lot of conversations with HR leaders, you've done a lot of research. What do you think HR will be about? What will be the thing that everybody will know HR for? Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a great question. I think that, uh, you know, both of my, my role here at the Cognizant Center for the Future of Work, which I've been a part of for really the last uh, six years. Again, that's something that feels like it was just, just yesterday, but it started here in 2014. And prior to that, um, being an analyst at Gartner for many, many years and sort of the lead analyst on HR services uh, at Gartner, you know, really seen the evolution of HR. And so I think your, your question is, we enter the 2020s this next decade, what's it, what's it really going to be about? And I think you know, a lot of people are talking about the future of work. Um, and I think the role of HR is if you want to get from here to there in the future of work, um, that is a road that has to run right through the middle of the human resources function as we know it. Unfortunately, for a lot of uh, HR uh, processes, functions, and practitioners, it's an extremely ossified, sclerotic, back office function, sort of unchanging. And at its worst, you know, sort of, you know, welcome to the future of work, forget it. A lot of times for too many people, it's, you know, it's welcome to the portal, your password was denied. It's the most dehumanizing <laughs> function there is. So I think to your question, what its role is gonna be about is we, you know, we, we, the World Economic Forum has said, you know, we've entered the fourth industrial revolution. We are, you know, in the era of algorithms, automation and AI work streams that are suffused with more and more technology, the role of human resources is going to be, a, is going to be about how do we blend the science of the job that uses the new machine, heavy computing, heavy use of algorithms, and blend that with what we would call the art of the job, which is things that humans are really good at, skills that no bot will ever be able to, uh, to supplant. And then building a bridge, I want to talk a little bit more about this with you, but I think the last point I would make is, is connecting that to strategy. If HR has you know, fundamentally been about sort of being in the back office and being very reactive and sometimes almost uh, you know, working with, with the legal department as sort of a flank covering exercise, if I can use that turn of phrase, how can it instead connect the dots at long last to strategy and build that bridge of, hey, you know, for a bank? If we're a retailer, if we are a chain of mom and pop pet shops, how do we connect the stepstone path from today to tomorrow and use HR as a way to help build that bridge with the necessary people skills that we need? Absolutely. I, I, I love that. And, and particularly, I love this idea of HR finding a way to, to merge the science and the art of the job meaning the algorithms, the technology with the human side of, of the work and the people side of, of what we're doing. Now, you're describing a kind of HR that, and I'm going to say this, I love HR, you know, and I, but it's this loving HR, like uh, the kind of love where you know that if things don't work, you, you need to, you know, bring those things up to fix them and to, you know, have this relationship <laughs> for the long term, right? And, and, and I know HR has done, uh, individuals in HR have been trying to do a great work to keep organizations rolling and working during the pandemic. But I also acknowledge that we, there's still a huge gap between the place where we are today and the place where HR needs to be to be able to effectively combine or merge this science of the job, technology algorithms with people and, human, and, and, and the human side of everything. So let me ask you this. What do you think is... What do you think HR needs to do in order to be effective as that 
uh, agent of transformation in the organization? What do, what don't we have today that we need to build? Well, I think there's there's so much that that does need to be built, but you know, you got to sort of piece it out and, and do it as as an order of magnitude and order of priority. And I think the um, the absolute crucible of doing this right right now is through learning and development programs. I mean, so much of what what we talk about, you know, all of us, you guys, me, you know, everybody who's looking at this space is talking about skills and the need to reskill and just like. You know, it's the overused analogy, but, you know, we moved into the first industrial revolution in the world of, of, of machines. And how do you work, you know, sort of rote and repetitive stepwise functions as opposed to really artisanal craft? We've now kind of gone the other way, which is the machines can take away this drudgery of the job and we can double down on the things that we're really good at. So it might be analytical skills, selling skills, thinking skills, communication skills, yeah. um, all of those things that humans are very good at. As I said, uh, machines can help but they can't do it. And so the learning and development piece of this is really, really important. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, you kind of rewind the tape and a lot of the, the locus of, 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 um, of attention from a technology perspective in HR, it was really on things like, you know, just rudimentary payroll and benefits administration systems. And we used to call it education and training, you know, at the beginning of, of, the, of the 2000s. Now learning and development is truly about how do you re- skill. Uh, how do you get that calibration of art of the job and science of the job just right? You can really take a look at any job and it is an agglomeration of individual skills. And for a lot of people, uh, you know, we, we, you, I'm sure also, you know, we talk about uh, engagement in your job or in your role is a leading indicator of how successful your contribution is going to be to uh, you know the firm, to the company, uh, the organization that, that you work for. And for a lot of people that are just checked out and they are not engaged, uh, how can we use learning and development as a way to re-engage their interest in their job? Again, sort of sunset the rote and repetitive drudgery of that job and double down on the things that make that make it Exciting. I read some stats someplace um, that I think it was some astonishing number. Either twenty, like twenty-five percent of American workers are engaged in the, in the job that they do, mm -hmm. positively engaged. Um, like like fifty percent of them are are disengaged. Yeah. And then the remain remainder, whether it's twenty or twenty-five percent, are actively disengaged, which means they're kind of trying to sabotage the firm. Yeah. which is astonishing. So, so skills are really important. And by doing that, and, and there's a deceptively complex set of technologies and systems and platforms that can help to do that in a way that provides for dynamic feedback. If you do that well, you can help people, I think, graduate to whether they're going to stay with the company or not, you're going to get them to the right place where they need to be. And all of us and they can benefit from from doing that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you 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 you're saying something that uh, Im implies that there is a motivation, a self motivation to learn as well, right? Um, and and sometimes I I just uh, you know I come from technology. I I came into the world of HR, and in the world of technology, if you are not literally learning every day. You know, six months later, you, the thing that you know is already obsolete. But that's not true in the right. world of HR. That hasn't been true in the world of HR. In the world of HR, we are still doing things that were created in the 1970s, and we are still doing them today. Yeah. So, so let me ask you how how do you sort of not just motivate but convince somebody in the world of HR that what we're doing 
is not enough to move the needle forward. It may have been enough to brought us to the place where we are today, but it's not going to be enough to move us to the place where we need tomorrow. How do we uh, incentivize, motivate, encourage people to, to learn more and things that are perhaps outside of the traditional world of HR? So I think there's there's two ways to come at that one. Um, the first is for, for senior HR leaders, CHROs and, and so forth. Um, if, if you don't do this, somebody else is going to do it for you. It's all like the analogy I would use is, you know, 10 years ago when sort of, you know, the, 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 the digital transformation revolution was coming, it was all about CX, customer experience. And now, every, you know, it's almost like X marks the spot. Everything is X. So, you know, whether it's like supplier experience or partner experience, right now it's about employee experience. And so using tools of digital and, you know, Cognizant is a very large global uh, technology services company. Uh, you know, if, if you haven't gotten that memo and you're, you know, sort of in reactive mode and not getting in front of this, not being a, you know, if I can use the phrase, a renaissance CHRO and connecting those dots to the future and driving uh, uh, positive uh, EX. I mean, my God, 2020, this is a period where we are rethinking everything. We've gone through the pandemic, go to racial awakening, we've had equity awakening with the business roundtable. If that's not enough for you talking about, you know, shareholders and stakeholders, if that's not your people, you know, that's huge incentive. Um, the, the second part of that is what do we do as individual employees? And so um, there's a, a stat, I think it's 79% of respondents uh, uh, rely on their company to help give them uh, a, a view into what the future of work is going to be. So it's a very reactive, you know, hopefully I'm going to learn this by osmosis, maybe not. And I think that we, you know, America, uh, such as it is, we need to do a much better job, not only, at, you know, in our, in our corporations, in, in our business uh, communities, chambers of commerce at the municipal level, but also in um, secondary education, universities, and even primary education, really inculcating a mindset to, do, to foster lifelong continuous learning. I think the problem when it comes to actual bona fide, like receiving a paycheck, work in, you know, work day in and day out for most employees is they don't have the latitude in the way that their job is structured to actually make the time to take the time to do that type of learning. And there's a lot, there's a lot to that in terms of just, you know, day in and day out work practices. Um, but I also think that's sort of systemically how we, we, all of us might be able to kind of reframe that structure. You made a great point about the 1970s. I mean, I would go back to, you know, really the end of World War II in, uh, in, in corporate structure. I mean, we are in a world where we're going from hierarchies in those structures to what, what we call wirearchies, which are much flatter, connecting the dots to people that maybe are outside the organization to give you inputs, to give you that type of, of learning from different sectors to be able to do your job. And in fact, 21 HR Jobs of the Future, which was the report that we published very recently, I'm very proud to say it was published in the Harvard Business Review as well. We talked a lot about these themes of how both senior leaders as well as workers themselves can sort of grab hold uh, of the steering wheel, if you like, and, and you know, sort of a hackneyed phrase, but sort of drive that onto that road to the, to the future yeah. of work. It's sort of your field guide of how to do that from an HR perspective. Yeah, and I definitely want to want to chat about that, not before saying uh, or, or commenting on something that you just said, which is um, you, people who are full-time employees, they are uh, 
there was a research in 2017 by AppWork saying that people who are geek workers, they are four times more likely to invest, to self-invest in learning than people who are full-time employees. And of course it happens because these people who are geek workers, they have to be around, you know, trying to, you know, uh, get, a, get a project and their skills need to be very refined and very up-to-date all the time. Whereas at work, you either don't get that support from your organization, don't have the incentive perhaps to learn because like you said before, one thing that truly scares me is that nobody is painting the picture of what the future looks like for you in your career in the organization. And they are not telling you perhaps, you know what, uh, Enrique, in the next three years, the 100% of things that you do, we won't need them all in this organization. We will need 50% of them. So you need to learn these other things for us to be able to utilize the rest of the 50% of your time uh, in this organization. Otherwise, you know, how do we how do we deal with this? So I think it's just so powerful that you are commenting on that. Now, let me, let me switch gears a little bit here and get into the 21 jobs for the future of HR. I, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to cover them all, but I would love to, to know at least the ones that you think are, you know, really that when you saw them, you were like, whoa, this, this is impressive. What, what do you think? Sure. Yeah. So just a little bit of the, the, his, the history of, of 21 HR jobs of the future. Uh, it was, uh, we're talking about 2018 a little while ago. I think it was in 2018. My team, the Center for the Future of Work, published this. So it's 21 jobs of the future. And we had a tremendously positive reaction to this. And it was, a, you know, not, not just parochial to HR. It was sort of across the board. You know, if you're a bank, an insurance company, a healthcare payer, or, uh, you know, retailer, what might some of those jobs look like? Um, and uh, again, we had so much success. We followed it up with this one. You got to love my little props behind my, my shoulder. This is 21 more jobs of the future. So we ended up with this basket of 42 jobs of the future that basically we arrayed them on a two by two grid, right? And so the X, you can imagine, again, I said I used to be a Gartner uh, analyst, <laughs> love magic quadrants. There's a quadrant in this, not a magic quadrant. The X axis in this quadrant is, is time. So between 2020 and 2030, when do we expect these jobs to hit? And then the Y axis is the level of tech centricity. So some jobs like a quantum machine learning analyst will you know, probably require some schooling background in electrical engineering, computer science. But further down that continuum on that y-axis, these jobs will be suffused with uh, deceptively complex technology, but you won't need to have that computer science background to use it. So you, you talked about like, you know, an Uber driver or a Lyft driver, you know, the platform they use to, to do their job is very slick piece of technology, but they don't have to know how to do computer science. Yeah. So we arranged these 21 plus 21, so 42 uh, jobs of the future. And then it occurred to us uh, that it might be interesting to take a look at that type of a prism into the HR function and think about what jobs of the future might hit. So we partnered, some of you guys uh, that are listening to this might know of uh, Future Workplace, yeah. uh, something called Gene Meister. Uh, we've, we've done a lot of work with Gene in the past as we do with you guys and others and uh, partnered to uh, use their network and effectively brainstorm into scores upon scores upon scores of potential candidates for what these HR jobs of the future might look like. And then based on ranking them in terms of high, medium, and low priority, we're able to winnow uh, that list down to uh, the final 21. 
So that was a little bit of the background. And I think, you know, I would let, I would encourage everybody to download it. It's a PDF yeah. document. You can get it for free. Uh, it's uh, on futureofwork.com, which is where all of our research from the Cognizant Center for the Future of Work is. And each one of these 21 is written up as a JD. So it would be like, you know, here it is the year 2029 and uh, your manufacturing production line uh, sends down a rack for 100 VR immersion counselors. Like what does a virtual reality immersion counselor look like, right? We're starting to see glimmers, you know, you squint, you can kind of see the future today. There's companies like Striver out there and so forth that are doing a lot of really leading edge stuff on, you know, again, learning and development using yeah. virtual reality. But what are the skills, the quals, the education backgrounds, the requirements for uh, these types of jobs? So you can find those JDs. That's what the report is constituted as. So Enrique, by way of Cleveland, to answer your question, I think that you know some of the ones that um, that I think are are pretty cool in the list. I, I you know I'd probably just say again, if 2020, you know, sort of like an accordion shrinking time, like the future of work <laughs> is an hour of work. Like we have a job that we, you know, a year ago we're, we're thinking about is it's the work from home facilitator, right? In, in 2019, you know, a lot of companies were allowing work from home, but there probably wasn't a specific role uh, in HR that was necessarily tasked with doing that. And suddenly, boom, the pandemic hits, March comes, we're all having to go into lockdown for some companies where maybe it's like, you know, in a year, maybe in two years, we will slowly phase in our, our you know, hashtag WFH protocol. That was having to be released in like a weekend. And so, you know, Cognizant, we are, give or take like 300,000 employees worldwide and work from home enabling with laptops, the amount of scale of employee base that we have, you know, even we were going through that. So that's one. Um, I think another big common theme uh, that we see, you and I were just talking about it, um, you know, the gig economy uh, mm -hmm. and how more and more uh, jobs will probably flip into it, particularly as we have an aging population, we'll have more uh, uh, gig workers. And so the gig economy manager uh, is one and sort of a variation on that theme is something uh, that we are calling the second act coach. So for people that felt like, you know, I'm going to be locked into my same job for, you know, 30, 35 years, and again, due to the virus or other factors, uh, their job, you know, their company has gone into chapter 11. They have been laid off. What does that second act look like for them? And so that's another one that I think is very much a, a job. Of that's a very interesting one. That's so, a, yeah, you know, no. That, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very, very interesting uh, job and, and actually one that, uh, sounds like not only for people who have been working doing the same thing for 30, 35 years, but even people who, you know, more recent in their careers. And let me ask you something, Rob, you know, across all the jobs that you looked uh, at, what are some common themes across all those jobs? What are, what are some common skills that you found that all the jobs that you described in the 21 jobs for the future of HR uh, may be requiring? Yeah, that's a, gr a great question. Um, so just a little bit of a setup for that. Across all of these 21 jobs of the future that we've been writing about for the last few years, there's three C's that, uh, that we talk about all the time. It's coaching, connecting, and caring. And that's eminently, those are eminently human skills to be able to coach other people, connect other people together in, in networked environments and, and caring, right? And so I think that if you kind of overlay and transpose that thinking, 
into HR. Um, and this is something that we talked about in the HBR article that, that we wrote, uh, that effectively these connective threads in the HR function manifest themselves into a few buckets. The first is individual and organizational resilience. And man, if COVID-19 didn't ever give us a test case for being organizationally and individually resilient, I'm not sure uh, what, a, what it would be. You know, maybe war, you know, heaven forbid. Yeah. Uh, the second was organizational trust and safety, right? In order to do some of these things for the future of work, you got to feel like you can trust your company. And hopefully, you know, like the f- future forward company is also the safe uh, company as well, particularly in an era of algorithms, automation, and AI. There's data all over the place, and people don't want to be freaked out that you know the company is sort of like you know Big Brother in 1984, like spying on them, using data, breaching privacy in a way that's not uh, that's not appropriate. In fact, there's a job of the future in 21 HR jobs of the future that's called the algorithm bias auditor, and that's very much top of mind for so many uh, businesses now. And you know, you bet your bottom dollar that if the FTC here in the United States or the European Commission, you know, pass some legislation in the next year or two that say, you know, the, the future organization has to be a fair organization and you statutorily have to sign off that your mission critical algorithms are uh, not biased, this is going to be a critical role for HR. So that's, that was number two. Uh, creative and Creativity and innovation uh, was number three. Uh, data literacy was another one. Again, we talked about the criticality of uh, analytics, criticality of being you know, down in the weeds of big data and being able to see the big picture for the workforce, but in a way that's not creepy or overbearing for yeah. employees. And then probably the last one, you know, we talk a lot about bots, robots, you know, it's the age of the robots. Uh, and so human and machine partnerships. Uh, in fact, there's a, a role that we identified the human machine teaming manager, which really is about getting that art of the job that I talked about blended with the science of the job. So if you're a, you know, if you're a nurse or if you're a teacher or if you're a construction worker or you know a politician or heck, you know, even a CEO yourself, how do you get that blend of the art and science of the job just right? And that'll be the role of the human machine teaming manager on that human machine partnership riff. This is amazing. Let me ask you this. This, 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 this list, first of all, the three C's and the list that are underpinning all the jobs of the future is, is just fascinating. I know that there are individuals in HR, very progressive, very far ahead of the game. And maybe you talk to them and they already have all these things in their minds. Some others are pretty far behind. Now, I, I separate HR people, HR, the individuals and the leaders doing the work from HR as a function, right? The, 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 the whole of HR. If you think about all this design that you have created with the three Cs, these five elements underpinning the 21 jobs for the future of HR, on a scale, and I, I don't wanna down, uh, oversimplify this, but I'm gonna do it <laughs> with a question. On a scale to one to 100, where do you think HR is today vis-a-vis this, this uh, uh, skills, capabilities, this mindset that you're describing uh, for the future of HR. HR as a function. I'm not talking about the individuals. Oh man, there, there's so much work to do. We're just scratching <laughs> the surface, Enrique. And so it's it's daunting. It's scary. Uh, it might feel like you know an unnatural act if it, you know if you've you've grown up your career as a senior HR professional or, or risen through the ranks. 
just like any you know other of your colleagues that have had to go through the uh, you know the buzzsaw of digital transformation and disrupt disruption. Like I said, if if you don't do this, somebody else is going to do it to you. And so what I think is great about what you guys are doing, hacking HR, is you're providing a really bright light um, to say you know nobody's figured out these these rules yet. Nobody's really cracked the code. Great. There's but there's some some you know some some points of light out there. And so. If we're sharing sort of these examples and, and you know, it, some of the, the, the feedback that we've gotten, most of it's extremely positive on the, the 21 HR Jobs of the Future report. But some people are saying, well, you know, this, this sounds patently ridiculous. You know, the note, like a second act coach. Well, you know, what, what is that? Well, well, effectively, before it can be built, it has to be sort of dreamt. And so as a futurist, you know, even if you think this is ridiculous, there's thousands of businesses out there that have learned the hard way that if they don't do this, they will die. And even as I said, you know, if the future of work and some of these things is the now of work, you know, if you didn't have a work from home, uh, you know, facilitator, you know, who cares what it's called? You were kind of left out twisting in the wind and you had to do it really fast. So that's a learning opportunity. So I would say (laughs) as a good analyst, on your question of like one to a hundred, you know, like there's so much, I'd, I'd say probably like at best, you know, probably like 25% of businesses are ready to do this. Um, it's not for, for, for lack of want or desire, but like we, we, we have this little saying in my team, which is the future of work is always in the future, but it can start tomorrow. And I think that, you know, if you, you get into strategy and tactics, that's a, a you know code to live by. I, absolutely. You know, I have this, I have this saying that, uh, to me, the leaders of the future are the ones that are going to have the ability to see the invisible and believe the unbelievable. And what I mean by that is when you see the invisible is, you know, you are, whatever you're sitting, you have a horizon. And if you have the ability with your team to get up higher and higher and see further and further, you're going to have the opportunity to prepare better for that. But to prepare better for that future that you're seeing, which may be invisible to others, then you got to believe the unbelievable, which is exactly what you just said. Some people believe second act coach. What the hell? You know, I don't need yeah. that. But then when you try to find specific skills that you can't find in the incoming workforce, but you have to look for them in the outgoing uh, workforce, if you will, the people who are retiring, then you're going to need to make sure that you are helping them, you know, uh, help you as an organization. So, or the remote uh, work manager, there are hundreds of companies out there who thought that they would never ever allow their people to work from home and they had to do it. They didn't have any other option. So they didn't believe that this was going to happen. If they had believed that before, they may have been you know, better prepared for what we have been going through in, in 2020. So, so let me ask you this, uh, uh, Rob, as we wrap up this, this amazing conversation, you, you said something before, uh, the future is going to happen in the future, but we're going to start creating it tomorrow. Where do we start? What will be item number one in the list to start preparing for the future? I think one of the first things that that uh, the HR uh, executives can do is if you don't have a tight linkage with your chief strategy officer uh, in your company, start there, right? What I see, and this is really exciting to me, is if we kind of grow the tendrils across the, you know, bridge the divide, you know, across the aisle, however you want to call it, between the HR function and, 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 and the strategy of the company, that's it right there. Because the strategists are thinking about, you know, wh- where do we want to take this bank? 
Where do we want to take this biopharmaceutical company? Where do we want to take this retailer in the future? These are the things that we're thinking about. And so getting that foresight, again, you know, not to over uh, rely on it, but you know, this is Gartner Magic Quadrant. It's like completeness of vision and ability to execute. So if the company, the CEO, the board of directors, all those people matter. And, but I do feel like strategy officers and CHROs can work to help bridge that divide between strategy and execution. And so that'll give you foresight into where the company is, is trying to go and sort of give you some, if you like, li lily pads or blocks to be thinking about, this is how I can help put that into effect. Because you know, the CIO of the company is having those conversations. Where do we yeah. take the technology suite? Where do we take the investments uh, from a platforms perspective? And for too many HR professionals, you know, I've heard this my entire career as well. You know, I never got a seat at the table. It's like, <laughs> get yourself to the table by making those connections. And the good news is I think a lot more CHROs are having those conversations. Yeah. And one of the things that we talk about in the report is that these jobs of the future ladder up to each other. So that is mm -hmm. to say that uh, I'm going to pull, pull up the list here. A good example of this uh, would be a role that we call the human bias officer, right? I, I think that's going to be a really big theme going forward into the 2020s. So how can you get distant early warning as that's a pretty senior role as we've identified it by working in concert with algorithm bias auditors, as we talked about, or HR data detectives. I talked to a lot of companies where it's like, you know, what's your strategy for next year? And it's like, well, we're going to hire, you know, a thousand data scientists. And it's like, where are you going to get a thousand data scientists? You know, it's not like Berkeley and Stanford and all the other schools are churning out that, you know, you, you can't get them. So how can you bridge the gap by working with new roles like a data detective? Yeah. And, and so all of that accrues, if, you know, if you ladder and bridge all that up, it's really about the strategy of the company. And so um, anyway, lots of words there, but I think, you know, as, as a first step, those are the kinds of connections that make, get that seat at the table, have your line of sight, you know, three, five, 10 years down in the future and use the 21 HR jobs of the future as a way to help, uh, you know, put, put that into practice. Love that. Love the idea of partnership with uh, strategy, people in technology, of course, the C-suite of the organization and whatnot. So Rob, thank you so much for this incredible conversation. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Enrique. Thanks a million. Take care of yourself. Great thank talking you, to you. Thank you too. Thank you. And thank you everybody. Stay tuned for the next Hacking HR podcast. See you all soon. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.